so beautiful about persevering, about keep going, even when you're struggling, even when it's hard, even when you don't think you can do it, to keep going with God. There's something beautiful about that. We were at our family reunion this last week, and one of the days I wore my Blackhawks t-shirt, uh, and, and so we were at the, the, the lunch, yeah, that's how I feel too, but uh, we were at uh, lunch, and somebody came up to me and said, oh man, did you see the last game? And I'm like, are you kidding? Of course I saw the last, you know, I, 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 my, my voice hurt, my hands hurt from clapping in that last game, and it's like, yeah, you remember when Shaw took that puck to the face, and it knocked him out cold, and he's on the ice, and he's bleeding, and they stitch him up. And then it starts bleeding while he's playing it, so they take it back in and stitch up. And he never wanted to come out. He, he always wanted to keep playing. And I'm like, yeah, that was awesome. And we talked about the game. And, you know, there's something beautiful. There's something we admire about hockey players. Isn't it? Man, I want to be in the game. I, don't, I could be missing a limb, and I still want to go in the game. Because there's something beautiful about staying in the game and staying persevering, even when it's hard and even when it doesn't make sense. When you walk through the church door and say, you know what? I'm hurting, but I'm here. There is something beautiful about that, about persevering, about keep going and never giving up and saying, God, I am all in. 2 Timothy chapter 2 is where I want to look today because here's Paul's last letter. And he's writing to his son in the faith, Timothy. This is his final moments and he's telling Timothy, look, Timothy, I want you to be mature. I want you to grow up. I want you to to take on the mantle. And, And I can't think of any anybody's mantle that would be harder to carry than Paul's. And he says to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. I want you, Timothy, and the King James says, study to show yourself approved. Your translation may say to work hard to show yourself approved. But in the Greek, the literal translation is be zealous to show yourself approved. Timothy, I want you to study. I want you to work hard. I want you to be zealous. I want you to go after the truth. I want you to go after Christ. I I want you to hold on to the word. I want you to know these things. I want you to act on these things, Timothy. Because this is the call on your life. And this is when God will approve of you. This is when you'll be doing what he set you apart to do. And so go after it. Be zealous for God. Be zealous for his word. Be zealous for truth. Go for it, Timothy. Don't give up. And if you go down a few verses in your Bible there. To verses 22 and following, he, he's talking and he's saying to flee youthful passions. And he talks about that for a few verses. And let me tell you, you know what he's telling Timothy? He's telling Timothy, grow up. Come on, Timothy, it's time to grow up. Put aside the things that you know are wrong. Put aside the things that are going to hold you back and go after what it is that I have for your life. Study, be zealous, work hard, do these things. Why? Because for Timothy and for us, here is the bottom line. Maturity is your destiny. Maturity is your destiny. You are not called to act like you're five years old for your entire life, or like you're 16 or 21 for your entire life. At some point, it's time to grow up. And in Christ, it's the same way. Sometime we just have to say, you know what, it's time to grow up. It's time to go after what he has for me. And Paul is saying this to Timothy. In 1 Timothy 4, 7, he says, I want you to train yourself in godliness. He's using an athletic term there, like an athlete would train for a sport. He's saying, Timothy, train yourself and go for it. 
Train yourself in godliness. This is Paul's heart for Timothy. It's Christ's heart for us. He wants us to be like him. He wants us to grow up in him, to to be conformed into his image. And so that's why we we go for it. And and we come to church on the weekends, but we go beyond that. Maybe we, uh, we, we enter into a small group or a Bible study, or we get up an hour early on a Sunday morning, and we go to Sunday school where Chris and Gary will teach us the Word of God, and we're, we're going to go deeper there. That's why we have a Bible college here, and you can take classes. You can come to a prayer meeting on Wednesday night. You can say, I want more of God. I want to do this. I want to grow up in God. I don't want to just pretend. I don't want to just show up every now and then and, and sing the songs and feel the goosebumps, and it's all good. Oh, it's time to grow up. I'm a disciple. I want it all. I want all that God has for me because that's what life is. If you're not growing, you're dying. And God says, I want you to grow. This isn't just for beginners. This isn't just, well, I'm saved, so now I have to learn. And there's others in us in this room that's been saved our whole life. And we're like, well, I guess there's nothing else for me to learn. No, we're all in this to grow up. We're all in this to keep going, not to be passive, but to be active. Like in the video we watched, what is God speaking to me? And every moment of every day, surely God can use a pastor to teach you. But the Holy Spirit can be teaching you all week long, wherever you're at. And are you in tune with the presence of God as that video showed in so many different places? What is God speaking to you at that moment? How can you grow up in God? How can you learn? How can you mature? And that's really what the whole of the New Testament is about. It's about growing up in God. It's about walking with Him and developing with Him. See, Christianity is not just about accepting Jesus into your heart, accepting Him through a prayer as your personal Savior. That's the most important first step you can take if you are not right with God. If you feel the conviction of sin in your heart, the the Bible says that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. And then when we believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth, then we're saved. And you may believe that and have that private moment or you might say a prayer as we say at the end of the service and then there's like this imaginary starting line and you run across the starting line and you say, yes, I'm saved. Whew, I'm pooped though. That was a long run. But yeah, I'm saved. It's all good. I'm going to heaven. I don't really need to do anything else, I guess. I guess I said the prayer, so that's really good. I'm on this side of the line, not that side of the line. And what we have to realize is that there's a race marked out in front of us. You're not done. You're just getting started. It's, it's something that God wants to take you on. He wants to mature you. He wants to grow you up. He wants your life to change. He wants to do something that only He can do. And so instead of just saying, okay, I'm crossing the line. No, I'm saying, God, I'm all in. I'm running the race. I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going to keep growing. I'm going to keep developing. And, and I want you to do that in your heart and in your life. If you don't, there are consequences. Hebrews chapter 5, talking about maturity, it says, there is much more we would like to say about this, but it's difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. Verse 12, you have been believers so long that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things of God's word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. He's letting them have it right there. So you should be a lot farther down the line than you are. You're relying on someone else to to provide this for you. And what this verse and what the New Testament teaches is very important, is that 
your spiritual growth, your spiritual maturity, your learning is your personal responsibility. It is not up to your Sunday school teacher or your small group leader or your pastor, although we teach, we train, we equip. Yes, we do that. But it is your personal responsibility to grow in God, to go after God, to be hungry for Him, to learn, to develop, to have that heart for God. Saying, God, I want you more than anything else. I I want that intimate union with you and whatever it takes, whatever Bible study I need to go to or whatever uh, classroom I need to get to, whatever service I need to get to, I'm going there to learn. We believe in that as a church because not only do we provide all that, we also host the, the Bible college, which trains other people for the work of ministry. So we believe in this. Your pastors are seminary trained. No one ever gets up here and says, well, I don't really know what I'm talking about. No, we study the Word of God so that we'll know it. But listen, it's not just a classroom thing. You can learn in a classroom, but God says, I want you to be active in what you know. I want you to be obedient in what you know. I want you to press in and do what you know to do. So God is calling us to get in the game and, and, and to go after what he has for us and, and be active. One of the ways you can do that is through small groups. And I'm just going to give you five things real quick, and, I, and then I'll pick it up again here on uh, maturity. But I want you to get involved in a small group. And in a few weeks, the, uh, the lobby is going to be full with ministries, and, and you can sign up to be a part of a small group. And small groups are so important because they allow us to live out this maturity and grow together and learn and pray and, and develop. The first thing about small groups I want you to write down is that it's the classroom for learning how to get along in God's family. It's where we learn how to love and care for one another and serve one another and be close to one another. It says in 1 Corinthians 12, 26, if one part of the body suffers, all uh, the other parts suffer with it. Or the one part of the body is honored, all the parts of the body are honored. I mean, that's a beautiful picture, isn't it? That happens in small groups. I think one of my favorite times in small groups is when we, after the study, the talking, we go to prayer time. I don't know if you do this in your small groups, but we've done it in mine. We go to prayer time, and what's amazing about prayer time, first of all, it lasts a lot longer than you think it does. So you set aside like 15 minutes at the end, and it goes like an hour and a half or something like that. But yeah, Jessica's nodding her head from our West Campus small groups. I remember those because we would... But you know what, remember those? And we would laugh sometimes, we would cry other times, but our hearts were knit, knitted together. There's something about being in that small group, something about praying together, being together, that just brings our hearts together. It says in 1 John 3.16, Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay our lives down for one another. That's what it's all about. That's part of Christian maturity. Number two, a small group helps me develop my spiritual muscle. You'll never develop a muscle if you don't work out or if you just hang out all by yourself. You need other people around you. Ephesians 4.16 says, As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. We need each other. We need one another. That's actually a common phrase in the New Testament. That one another, that each other, that we would be in each other's life. We are commanded to love each other, pray for each other, encourage each other, admonish each other, greet each other, serve each other, teach each other, accept each other, honor each other, bear each other's burdens, forgive each other, submit to each other, 
be devoted to each other. And that's just a few out of the 50 in the New Testament that we're called to do. And you're only able to do that with one another or together inside of relationships. And so real maturity comes from relationships. Number three, a small group confirms my identity as a true believer. Can't say that I'm a part of God's family if, if I don't hang out with any of the members. If I don't have any other disciples that I'm following along with. Jesus said in John 13, 35, Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Did you know that when you get together with other people with different backgrounds, different ethnicities, different social standings, and you get together in common love, that that's a witness to the world of the power and the love of Jesus Christ. It's coming together as his body. Number four, a small group is the best way to take on my God-given mission to the world. We are the body of Christ. We are his hands, we are his feet, we are his eyes, we are his heart. We are Jesus to this world. It says in Ephesians 2.10, he created each of us to join in uh, with him in the work he does, the good work he has gotten ready for us to do, work that we better be doing. God created you for good works. God wants you in the game. The body of Christ needs you. There's a part that only you can play, and you need to be a part of that mission to the world. Number five, a small group will keep me from spiritually backsliding. None of us are immune to temptation. Given the right situation, you and I are capable of any sin. And that's why God says, I'm going to put people in your life to help guard you and watch out for you, to keep you on track. That's my responsibility for other people, and that's their responsibility for me to watch out for them. It says in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13, encourage one another daily so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. I don't get to say to my accountability group, hey, mind your own business when they're watching out for me. When they're watching out for me, it says in James 19.10, if you know people who have wandered off from God's truth, don't write them off. Go after them and get them back. That's my responsibility. That's, that's your responsibility. We've got to be plugged in, though. If you, if you are unplugged, if you are detached, there is no way that you can do this on your own. You need those other people in your life. You, you need to have it happen. I, I used the illustration that, Last time I preached, I think, or maybe a few times ago, where I broke a pencil. It's easy to break a pencil. But when you put a box of pencils together, I could bring the strongest person up in this room, and they wouldn't be able to break it because there's just strength in numbers. And, and that's why we need those small groups. That's why we need people around us. And I want you to sign up in August as we put all the ministries, all the small groups, all the Bible studies out there in the lobby. I want you to sign up and be a part of, of something this fall and, and get plugged in. Because we've got to be growing. We've got to be maturing. We've got to be uh, beyond just a weekend service. We've got to be growing constantly in the Lord. God is calling you toward maturity. He's telling you, get in the game. Don't sit on the sidelines. Don't say, well, I've been hurt. I don't want to play anymore. I mean, be like a hockey player. I don't care if my face is bleeding. I don't care how I feel. I belong in there. Because when I'm in there, that's when I'm going to win. And let me tell you something, when life gets hard, say, bring it on, let's go, because listen to me, for every single person in here, victory is assured. So get in the game, play the game, grow in God, run the race, don't hold back. In our family reunion last Sunday, 
We were all together as Merrills. It was a very emotional time. We were in a, a hotel room having church together, and, and we have a strange family because everybody in our family is a Christian, and so that's, I know that's a blessing, and, and that uh, probably most other families don't have that blessing. So we were all together, and we are having church together last Sunday in, in a hotel room, and it was awesome. We went through the Sermon on the Mount, and it was powerful. Went through Matthew 5, 6, and 7. That's the Sermon on the Mount. Starts with the Beatitudes, how to live that blessed life. Blessed and, and all of that right there at the beginning. Then he moves into the law and talks about, you know, things like adultery and murder and, um, you know, vengeance, all those things. And it's not about our action, it's about our heart. Then he talks about our heart unto the Lord with our giving, with prayer. The Lord's prayers there, a bunch of different things. And then he ends with the story of the wise and the foolish builder. The, the foolish builder builds his house in the sand and the storm comes and wipes it away. And the, and the wise man builds his house on the rock, and it stands firm. It's the only parable that Jesus teaches in the Sermon on the Mount, and he puts it right there at the end. And so we're going through it and reading through it, and different people were sharing what was on their heart. And one guy said, you know what really speaks to me about the Sermon on the Mount is that it's, that it's really written for me. Because everybody that Jesus is teaching right there is a believer. They're a follower. They're the ones that, 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 are, that are kingdom people. And, and so Jesus is speaking to me through the Sermon on the Mount, and he's telling me this is how I live my life, and this is how my heart should be. And, and, and as he was sharing, I'm like, yeah, that's really, that's, that's true. It's, it's, you know, it, it's, the Sermon on the Mount is not for the people that are unbelievers or people of the world. In fact, the Sermon on the Mount tells us, don't cast your pearl before swine. This is not, this is for those that are going to follow me. This is, this is my teaching for, for my kingdom people that want to follow me. I thought, wow, that's really true. That's interesting. And, and then I began to think about that last story. The house on the sand and the house on the rock. And I always used to think it was about unbelievers and believers. That, that the, the unbeliever is the one that builds his house on the, the sand. And when the storm comes, it's knocked down. But those that, build, those that are believers, those are the ones that, that built their house on the rock. And, and it'll stand if you're built on Christ. But, but if you look at the context and what Jesus says right before he tells the story. He says, those that listen to me. And do what I tell them are like the one that builds their house on the rock. See, it's not a story about unbelievers and believers. It's a story told to believers. And Jesus is saying, you can cross that starting line, but if you don't listen and obey, you are building your house on the sand. And when the wind comes through, as it did a couple nights ago in our neighborhood, I don't know about you, and we had trees down in our, I didn't know it was that bad until I went out the next morning. But that, that storm is going to come, and if you are not listening and obeying God, boom, it's going to go down. But if you listen and obey, you are building your house on the rock. When I say, Christ, I accept you into my life, I want to follow you, I want to be a disciple, and then I continue that race, I continue to go, I'm building my house on the rock. There's something to be said for maturity. God is calling you to maturity. Maturity is your destiny, and when you run, you will win. And so we're called to grow in God, not to stay the same but to keep growing. Would you bow your heads and your hearts with me today? And I'm going to invite the worship team up so that we can conclude with uh, the song that just was powerfully moving earlier.
more and more. But I just want to pray with you today, and, and so with your head bowed and your eyes closed, I just want you to, I'm going to do something I don't normally do here this morning, but first, before we get into the prayer, with your head bowed and your eyes closed, I just want you, if, if, if I made light of starting across that, that starting point, that starting line, I want you to know that's where it all begins. And then today, if you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you know that you are guilty of your sin and you know that you are far from God, I want you to tell you today, take that step across that line. Jesus Christ loved you so much that he came and he died on the cross for your sins. Before you could ever love him, he loved you first. And he says, if you believe that what I did on the cross was for you, if you believe that I rose from the dead, if you believe that and confess that with your mouth, you are saved. And I want you to start that relationship with God. He will change you. He will, your life will be brand new. He will set you free. And I want you to begin that relationship. And so, so today, if you're here and you haven't, just say, I am all in, God. Thank you for forgiving my sins. Whatever you need to say from your mouth, just, just say it and, and start that relationship. But now with your head bowed and your eyes closed, I want to talk to everybody here. Once we make that commitment to follow Jesus and be a disciple, the word disciple means student. And you have not graduated. I have not graduated. Pastor Merrill has not graduated. We we are all on this journey together. And I want you to say to God today as we pray, I am all in. I am all in. And I'm going to ask today that whether it's the first time and you just say, I I want to follow Jesus, or if you've been walking with God all, all the days of your life, if you are willing to say, God, I am all in, I know that your call on my life is maturity, is growth, is learning, is development. And you say, God, I, I will live a life learning and growing. If you're committed to learning, and growing in God. I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand right where you're at. Just raise your hand. Man, all over this place. Almost everybody. Thank you, God. Let me pray for you today. God, we love you this morning. We honor you. God, I thank you for your word. Lord, we could have, we could have spent all day in so many New Testament chapters on, on, on building our faith and growing up and, and, and not standing still or going backwards, but persevering. We could have looked at so many, but God, your word just tells us that we're called to be mature, that we're called to grow up, that that's our destiny. And and God, today we want to build our lives on the rock, not on the sand, so that when the winds come through, when the pain comes, when the hurt comes, when the disappointment comes, We can still walk into your presence and say, I'm hurting, but I'm here. God, we want to persevere. We want to know you. And so, Lord, today we stand and we sing this song as our prayer. Would you stand with me across this place? Let's worship the Lord before we go.
good. His love endures forever. Let's this week take every moment to see where God is teaching us, growing us up. When you walk through the door of your home, when you go to the playground with your children, when you sit at your cubicle at work, you take that walk with the dog to see what is God speaking to me? What is he teaching me? What does he want to do? How is he growing me up? I'll tell you, a life walked with God, every step with him, and inviting him into every situation and recognizing where he's at work, I mean, that is a life filled with the presence of God. That's running the race. There's something beautiful about that, powerful about that. This, this moment on a Sunday morning isn't the only worship of the week, as we saw in the video. This is just the beginning of what God wants to do in your life. I hope that you hold on, that, that, that just through the week you start thinking this, this song, I want you more. Just singing that, God, I want you more. I want you in every area of my life. I want you completely and wholly, God, to, to be a part of who I am. God, we love you this morning. 
God, we just could sit in your presence and, and sing that over and over again because the truth of those words, they're the, they're the cry of our heart today, God. We want to know you. We want to run the race. We don't want to just kind of settle where we're at, God. We want, to, we want more. And God, you've got more. So Lord, we're all in and we are wide open to whatever you've got. We love you today. We love you today, God. I'm just going to encourage you to, you know, maybe come out on Wednesday night to prayer. Or get up an extra hour early next Sunday and go to Sunday school. Or, or just say, you know what, in a couple weeks in the lobby, I'm signing up for a small group. I'm going to be a part of a Bible study. I'm going to get in the men's or women's ministry. I'm going to do something, but I'm going to get, I'm going to grow. I'm going to go. I want you to do there. There are, there are devotionals all over the lobby. I asked them to put extras out this week so that you can get the word of God inside of your heart. If you don't read your devotional, get your devotional. Get that a part of your life every day. Grow in God's word every day. That's his call for you. I'm going to give you the blessing of the Lord, and if you need to go, you can. But if you want to stay, we're just, can we just sing that again? We're just going to continue to worship the Lord. We need to spend some more time in his presence this morning. We're in no hurry right now, so... If you just want to stay and worship the Lord, you can do that. But as you go, may the Lord bless you and protect you. May he smile on you and be gracious to you. May he show you his favor and give you his peace. God, I thank you for your blessing that rests upon our lives, God. And God, we want that to rest on our lives as we run the race for you, as we build our house on the rock. Lord, be with us this week. Keep us safe, Lord. Pray that you keep our church safe as well. Protect every door, every window. And um, God, keep us strong until we can gather together again as the church and worship you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to worship the Lord a little bit longer. If you need prayer, I'll be down front. But get your car wash today because it's more than just $5 for a car wash. It's, it's sending a kid to camp. It's telling them about Jesus. So go and get your car washed before you go. Grab some lunch. But let's just worship the Lord one more time before we go.